Uh, let's go straight into it. Welcome back to the Carly Pilk Boys podcast, series two, episode 33. I'm David Ferrier. With Stephen Merchant. Zach, what's your Heat Magazine style headline for this show? XFM breaks two records in one show. Breaks two records. Did you listen to the right show, Zach? Well, attempted two records. Uh, yeah, a double attempt. And um, for me, some great antagonism at the back half of the show. They really start getting under each other's skin, didn't you find? At the back half, even from the start. Well, that, actually, that's the a good point. The whole show was like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm neglecting the whole start where they're arguing over the meeting time and stuff like that. You're right. Yeah, things are really um, taking a, a turn in the relationship between Ricky, Steve and Carl. This one was broadcast 5th of April uh, 2003 the number one song in the UK charts. It's a new one. Zach, if I say the name Make Love by Room 5 featuring Oliver Cheatham, do you know which song I'm referring to? Uh, I don't know any of those words. It's this song. You know, is it sounding familiar now? Not really. It's- Oh, where were you? You weren't hitting the clubs in the... uh... It's one of those songs I think that's like, I have no idea, I'm with you, don't understand those words, but when I hear it, I'm like, oh, it's that song. It's one of those that song songs to me. It definitely has a vibe of the early 2000s. Yeah, it's got a bit of a hanging out by a pool with a cocktail vibe. Uh, Movies released the day before this show include Shanghai Nights, the inferior sequel. To Shanghai Noon. Did you see Shanghai Night, Zach? Can't say I did. I think I saw one of. No, I'm thinking. No, didn't see. Wait, is that? I think it's got Jackie Chan. Does it? Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. And Owen Wilson. That's right. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, he was having a moment in the early 2000s of uh, you when you when you first break thinking this could be it. So I'll say yes to everything. He was around a lot. When do you think it peaked? Was it Wedding Crashes or Marley and Me? Or Zoolander. Marley and me. Marley and me was start of the demise. Mm. Yeah, there's another one where you watch. Uh, you kind of people who become so uh, ubiquitous that you kind of forget why they're great. But you know, everyone pays out the wow, 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 which is fair enough. But like when you watch his early stuff and you think like, oh, no one had seen this guy before. He really has a thing. He does. He has a whole energy and a whole nose that is very unique. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I love like his early stuff with um, Wes Anderson. Bottle Rocket's not bad. The Royal Tenenbaums, great. All-time great movie. And he co-wrote it. Yeah. But Shanghai Noon, not one of the greats. We're, we're of a similar-ish vintage. Did you go through a whole period of, uh, of birthday parties where you'd have sleepovers and go and rent VHSs? Yeah, yeah. Two new releases, five weeklies. A lot of Jackie Chan was in that mix for me in that time. It was a lot of Rush Hours, Shanghai Noons, uh, Rumble in the Bronx, and so on. And back then, I didn't understand what doing your own stunts meant. Like, I didn't understand it meant that you could shoot it differently so that you could actually see the person rather than cutting to, like, 
someone's back of their head. And so I always thought it was just showing off. I'm like, well, mate, like you're robbing a stunt guy of a job, firstly. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't until later when I saw the scenes again, thinking about how they were shot. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So as a 12-year-old, you were a real, real anti-Jackie Chan person. <laughs> no, I was fine with Jackie Chan. I just couldn't understand the... Um, I was like, so what? He does two jobs instead of one. He's I don't get why that's so cool. Denying working stuntmen and women their jobs. Well, stuntmen. Uh, we have a couple of new EPs, Alex Hillman and Eduard Bogdan. We need some commercial radio-style nicknames for these two, as well as sending out the Carl's Childhood <laughs> illustration. What have you got for Alex Hillman, Zach? To die on. <laughs> Alex, to die on Hillman. Any others? Or H- Hillman to die on. Um, no, it's uh, uh, Slope Boy. Slope boy? Yeah. Just synonyms for Hillman. <laughs> well, along a similar track, I went Alex Jack and Jill Hillman. Uh, and what did Alex do? He broke his crown. Alex broken crown Hillman. But then uh, I thought... Too soon, Dave. <laughs> I thought, hills, that's too obvious to, to, to use hills. So go the opposite. What lives under hills? Moles. So Alex the mole Hillman. And finally, the mole man, Alex, the mole man, Hillman. Some of these nicknames are not as complimentary as others. The final one I had was no, no, the mole man's great because in a radio point of view, like you could be broadcasting from the bunker. Oh yeah, borrowing. uh, You could, and and you could kind of be like, I'm, you know, no one knows who I am. I'm anonymous. I'm, um, no one can stop me. You can't even find me. Where am I broadcasting from? Underground in the vaults, in the record vaults, it's Alex the Mole Man Hillman. Okay, I think that one's oh, going to win. Digging deep, like you digging dig deep. deep to find different records. Yeah, the final one was Alex Sound of Music Hillman. Work that one out. Edward Bogdan. I had uh, Edward Big Bad Bogdan. <laughs> That's good. What's um? What's Steve's character? Oh, could we do the bog? Master Bog Monster. What's Steve's character in the office? Oh, the Og Monster. The Og Monster. Could we do the Bog Monster? <laughs> Edward Bog Monster. But again, that makes me think he's a shit monster of some description, <laughs> or he's always in toilets. No, it's a reference to Steve's character. Or B apostrophe Og Monster. <laughs> the yeah, Bog yeah. Monster. I also had Edward Edward Big Bang. Big Bang Bogdan. I looked it I like up. The alliteration. Uh, Bogdan is from the common Slavic personal name, composed of elements Bog, which means God, and Dan, which means given. Thus, it's equivalent to the Greek blah blah blah, given by God. Uh, and I didn't come up with a nickname off that, so it's just a fun fact. I feel so- like a lot of radio announcers. You know how people say, "Oh." You think you're God's gift to to man. I feel like a lot of radio announcers think that. Mm. Well, maybe it fits. So maybe, then. yeah, maybe maybe there's something God's gift or gift of the gods. Also, I feel like like golden tonsils or you know something like that. Yeah, uh, it's making me think of those types of things. 
If we do go with Edward God's gift Bogdan, it is like saying Edward's God's gift, gift of God, which I kind of like. So let's go with it because the surname already means God's gift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I feel like you're reluctant to uh, put monster in a nickname. (laughs) Edward, get in touch. Would you rather be Edward Bog Monster or Edward God's Gift or Edward Big Bad Bogdan? We'll let you choose between those three. Leave a comment below or send us a message. Let's move on to the Air Check, Series 2, Episode 33. There's an immediate fight as soon as the show starts about Carl's role in the show. He does more than just press the button, Zach, which is something I relate to. I know you've always been on the other side of the desk, but it does take a little bit of me just breathing through when any time someone has called me a button monkey when I've been panelling a show. Uh, I like that Carl... People have called you that while you were there? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A button monkey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It seems to be one of those, this is okay to say, this. I think you're so little of your job, a monkey could do it. But mm. you just have to, it's not often appropriate to go, well, hang on a sec, come around here and let me bash you. You have to just smile and take it and move on. Well, if monkeys could write Shakespeare, then surely they could figure out how to press the right buttons at XFM. If an infinite number of monkeys were in front of an infinite number of panels, eventually one of them would come up with a number one rated show. They'd, eventually they'd come up with the Ricky Gervais show. I like that Carl refers to his job as being like a Russian doll, which is it looks like one job, but it's actually lots and lots of little jobs. I love this conversation. I don't know because it, it felt genuine to me. I think I like listening to genuine moments. And I also felt like at this point anyway, it was just, it was, a, it was like a little, they were annoyed, but they weren't serious. Later on, Ricky starts yelling and you're kind yeah. of like, this feels serious. But at the moment, they're just like, uh, Carl's annoyed, but he's still happy to be there. And so I thought that was fun to listen to. And I love to hear that their planning meetings were at the pub the night before. Like, of course, that's not going to go well. But I don't think they do planning meetings often. I think this was an attempt no, yeah, to yeah, get yeah, yeah. back on track. And yeah, you, but it, you're right. It's it's funny to hear at the start, Carl's definitely annoyed because he's being picked on as usual. But by the end of the show, he's flat out saying, I don't want to be here and, and reveals that in other times, just quietly, he's trying to work out how we can get off the show. I found that funny too as well. So they had a meeting and there's a disagreement over the meeting time, which they're giving Carl a hard time over, but Steve gets caught out. There was a text and it said, uh, see you around six tomorrow, question mark? Around. You just said it. What year was six? It, that doesn't yeah. count. That doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah, no, it does. What? So, uh, all right, You Rick. told me he said six. Well, he did. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Six o'clock, Rick. To me, uh, around, even if it was around six o'clock, that would be five to six or five past six. It would not be 20 minutes after the event. How do you think Steve went with his plate spinning and explaining? I don't. He just read the text out and didn't realise that he was wrong when he was reading it. It's one of those ones where you stop halfway through reading and you're like, hang on, I'm in trouble here. But he didn't back Although, out. He doubled down. Although... I agree with Steve generally. You can't... Why say six-ish? Commit to a time. 
you can't like you're, you're basically what you're saying by saying six ish and saying I could be there between 10 to six and six twenty is I expect the other person to wait for me. Yes. I'll, but you be there and I'll be there when it suits me. Yes. I'm Carl Pilkington. Um, Don't you know who I am? We've had the, I've had the ish conversations with my friends before. What does ish mean? And I go, no, we're not doing ishes. Just we're going to say a time and you come at the time. <laughs> and they go, no, 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 no. Ish means they were in the Carl camp. They said it means 20 minutes. I'll come 20 minutes later. And I was like, well, why make a time then? It's a window. I if you if you both agree on that ish means a twenty minute window. I might be up to twenty minutes late. That can apply to you as well. No, you can say that you're late. That's fine, but just say that you're going to be late. I don't like waiting around. Yeah, how did what did people do before phones when they were waiting? Just smoked, drunk, just smoked and he <laughs> drank. Uh, Donald McIntyre has apparently stolen the idea for Cheapest Chimps. I looked into this. It appears to be the show McIntyre Investigates, the episode Gorilla Kidnapped. Kidnap, which, uh, sorry, my voice is not doing great today, which is described as this. Donald journeys to Rwanda and the Congo, where mass slaughter of gorillas has taken place, aiming to trace a group of poachers. His main focus is the whereabouts of an abducted infant gorilla christened Baby BBC. There's a one there's one review on IMDB. It's just one star Zach, and it says, eye-opening episode, great content, but it appears that Donald McIntyre stole the idea for this program from Carl Pilkington's Cheapest Chimps, featured on Ricky Gervais's XFM radio show. That is a real review. I did not make that up. Well, really, I don't like maybe a reimagining of Carl's idea into like Carl's idea could not sustain a whole episode of anything. It barely could last a radio segment. Well, I mean, I didn't look further into it than this description, but there is nothing about this description that shouts cheap as chimps. But Carl does seem genuinely upset like it's been stolen. Like he's, he's rattling off things that have annoyed him. You know, he's like, you guys were late. I don't get any respect. My ideas are being stolen. He's protective of, of his IP. <laughs> um, finally, in this uh, opening break, they get to the teasers. Finally, a bit of good radio technique as they head into another girl, another planet. Into break two, continuing the bickering. Steve says Ricky has become more annoying and blames the hot weather. He tells a story about Ricky falling asleep while they were riding the office, and then he um, he gets into this story. It was a text. Oh, and can I just draw? <laughs> so recently, we're, we're, back, we're in another office. We're typing away. Da, da, da. Uh, I look round. He's got his shirt off. It was he's hot. Just, he's taking his shirt off, right? So he sat there, forty-one-year-old man, or whatever you are, forty-year-old man there with his shirt out. Beautiful. I mean, I've seen most parts of your body now at one point or another. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the problem is, Zach. We often record this show nude. Well, you remember those old radio um, announcers that would, like, kind of paint a picture like that as if they were not nude but at a party or there was girls in the room with them? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good joke on Alan Partridge. 
when he when he's crossing to the uh, his rival DJ and he says, "Oh, it's ladies' night tonight," and plays a sound effect of ladies uh, going "woo," and Alan points out that he's alone. There's no one in there. There's no one in there. Yeah, um, you mean like um, Hamish and Andy? They're infamous, uh, not infamous. They're very well known. Pants pants off Friday. Oh yeah, that's right. They used to do their show in their underwear, which I was thinking about the other day. Uh, don't know if that would fly today. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. There was some that like they weren't doing it to be edgy. It was it was more a quir- no. That was the funny quirky thing. Like, whimsical very, thing. They were very um, well, very family friendly, but also seen as like the everyman. Mm. Um. But yeah, in their pictures, like if they had a guest on or something, they. You know how you'd take like a studio shot where you'd be arm in arm, they'd put their arm around and they're in their jocks. <laughs> I don't know. If that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that would, I, I don't think it would be like a cancelling thing or anything or the show would be in trouble. I just think like it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen. Like you just wouldn't get to that point where people would be like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this. I was a guest on the Hamish and Andy show and they took their pants off. It made me very uncomfortable. I never really understood it. Did you? I understood I it, it as, a Ham- as a Hamish and Andy thing. Yeah, well, yeah, Friday, like casual Friday. This is just very casual Friday. Yeah, right. No pants. Um, but, yeah, also similarly, Ricky, this seems odd to me. that <laughs> He seems to get his kid off whenever he can. <laughs> I love it. I, I relate to uh, just running out of steam and needing a lie down. Oh, it's hot. I want to take my shirt off. He's honestly, have we said this before? He's a toddler. <laughs> In a lot of ways, yeah. Because like like just the random stripping off of clothes, <laughs> uh, being loud and obnoxious and then suddenly falling asleep. <laughs> like, Are you saying your your toddler will often just fall asleep while you're <laughs> writing well, they a run TV themselves show? Out. They just go at 100 they run, 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 yell, 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 scream, 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 boom, out. Okay. <laughs> and falling asleep in like unusual places, is that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you turn away one second, turn back, and they've taken off a piece of clothing and they're back running uh, again. Yeah, they will do that. <laughs> the last night, she'll appear and you go, where's your pajamas gone? <laughs> You don't even know where they are. They just appear in their nappy sometimes. <laughs> like, when did you take that off? It was like a uh, quick change trick. Ricky is a toddler. Uh, Carl talks about being out of pocket, which, again, I did find uh, somewhat relatable at certain occasions where you end up spending your own money for something to do with the job that you're doing. Like he's bought the copy of the Guinness Book of Records and Silence of the Lambs on VHS. Have you ever ended up out of pocket doing stuff? Like particularly, you maybe not have had this experience as much as I have, but I've worked on a lot of other people's shows and occasionally you just end up, oh, we need this thing. And then you go and buy it with your own money. And then they say, oh, just um, invoice it or whatever. And you just, I don't no, know, it's a never pain do in the that. Ass. I agree with Carl in this situation where he says it takes so long to get back. I've the never. Petty cash processing it. or whatever. Uh, we, you know, yeah, we had to, because we never had, like, if we wanted to do something similar to what Carl's saying, it, I don't know, like, the process of, like, trying to get the company to pay for it was so, it was just like, I'll just pay for it. But 
that's for your own thing, which I guess you could argue Carl is doing here. I mean, he's buying the VHS for his own segment. Um, but more broadly, I was just appreciative of the internet when I was listening to this because I'm like, well, yeah, I've had to buy stuff for the radio show before, but when we were doing like, like later on when they go and buy the burgers, I, yeah, I've done that before. But the idea that he had to buy the movie to get the grabs or the idea that he had to buy a book to have an interesting thing to talk about, all of that is free now. Like every movie scene ever is you could probably find on YouTube uh, and just it would take you five minutes to copy the audio. Um, you know, the Guinness Book of Records, I mean, if you want to find that type of content, they would probably come to your house and recite it to you. They're so desperate for attention. <laughs> Bad news for Guinness World Record publishers, good news for radio hosts. <clears throat> However, I did feel uh, for Carl here because I was like, surely Ricky, don't you think like he refused to pay any of it, but he would be the one in the position who had the most money? E easily. And he's the one telling Carl to go get it. And, and telling Carl just to go, was, just well, go get your money people, back from the company. There'd be a lot of people who would pay to work with me. So you're lucky to get the opportunity. I love that logic. Uh, so Carl. But don't you think there's a, I've always thought there was a thing that like, as you get more famous, as you get the capacity to pay for things with fame, the things you need to pay for are removed. Yes. You know, you like at a restaurant and they're like, oh, Mr. Gervais doesn't pay for a meal here. Yeah, it's, it's absurdly like, oh, no, counterintuitive. Like, it's like, no, he can pay for it now. Yeah. <laughs> like it was 20 years ago where he couldn't pay for it. Yeah. It's a whole thing with Adam Sandler's character in Funny People. The more money you get, the more free shit you get. Yeah, right. It's absurd. I haven't seen it. Uh, afterwards, Carl calls out Steve for always putting his ideas down and in the process compares himself to Einstein. Was something like, an absurd idea is often a great idea. Yeah. Do you know who said that? Go on. Einstein. Yes. Which made me wonder, if you were his mate, would he ever have done E equals MC squared? <laughs> or would you have said, don't bother with that, it's not going to work? Because that's all you seem to do, everything I come up with, yes. you put down. Yeah. It's great logic from Carl. That's my favourite joke in the whole <laughs> episode. Uh, it, like, I love a joke that's, uh, I love a comedic expression of a real feeling. That's probably my favourite oh, thing. Yeah. If you were his mate, would he have even done E equals MC squared? Hey, Steve, I've got, I've got this, uh, this theory I'm working on. I'm thinking it's something like E equals MC something might be. No, I don't bother. That's stupid. Way too long. Comb you your hair. Down. People aren't going to listen to that whole thing. Yeah, A equals. It's got to be two two letters max. The I can't even use it every day. The Why don't you work on something I do use every day? Like Make me a video the player. VHS. VHS. Yeah. <laughs> the quote that Carl is referring to is, if at first the idea is not absurd, then there is no hope for it. So he's kind of got a point. The idea yeah. for cheapest chimps is absurd. I do think a good a good technique, I was thinking about this the other day, sometimes a good technique is to purposely come up with bad ideas. It's like if you, it's like we're going to try to come up with 10 bad ideas and then by like eight, eight or nine, you're kind of like, 
that's actually not bad. <laughs> like, have you ever had that experience before? Where, that's like, a technique in, in radio create. I'm sorry, in advertising creatives, isn't it? I've I've is heard it? that that it's you you try to you you like no judgment, come up with the worst ideas possible, and then sometimes strangely a good idea can come out of it. Well, it helps a lot in radio because often if you're a show that does bad ideas as the gag, do you get what I mean? Do you guys do that? Does Collective Now do that? Uh, we used to have a segment called Freedom where Dom could do it because we kind of had it, it, not a dissimilar segment dynamic to this, although we played it up, but the idea that like Dom was annoyed that I was always saying that he couldn't do his ideas. With That was a narrative. And so we did a segment called Freedom where Dom could um, come up with any idea possible. And it was kind of good because if it fails, it's still good. Yeah. Because like, then if, if no one calls, you're like, oh, man, I told you, this is why we have a filter. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it was like, good, good. Like, are you listening on a boat? And we got a guy at like 1 a.m. in the morning out on like the harbour. And he's like, yeah, I've got a radio out here. <laughs> hey, I'm disposing of bodies. Are you listening overseas? Worked really well. Uh, one that didn't work too well was, um, are you the last awake in your suburb? <laughs> it was just very hard to verify <laughs> you were the last awake in your suburb. Were they always phoners? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your oldest coin? was one that was a little dull, which was what's the oldest coin that you've got in the car at the moment? Anything that can be answered with one word. Yeah, that's true. Tends to be something that, that runs into the ground pretty quickly. 1974. Like, uh, oh, where'd you get that from? Uh, just the shops. Also uh, okay. things that are just on a linear path. So it's like what's the most amount of X you've ever done? or I've seen or whatever. It's like, then it's just like eight. Oh, 10. Well, that's more than eight before. (laughs) And then the next person's like 12. And it's like, well, that's even a bigger number. Numbers. (laughs) Yeah. Why was that guy on a boat in the middle of the night? No idea. No idea. Could you hear the sound of plastic bags? I think it's good fishing fishing in the middle of the night sometimes. Don't fishermen go out overnight? Tragically depressing to me about that waiting to the middle of the night he, to go imagine fishing if, imagine if he was disposing of a body and that's how he was caught like he couldn't resist the phone <laughs> i know it's me He's like I'm, I'm committing a crime I, i'll be jailed for life but i could be the only one in the country listening on a boat and if they like my call they might give me tickets to r&b fridays in break three, this week's phrase in Songs of Phrase is my neighbour had a horse in the house. They chat about pointless bro- uh, world records, uh, which is something that radio shows at least used to love to do. I think they still do a little bit. If you Google records broken by radio show, just look at these. I'm sharing my screen with you, Zach. 108 DJs set new record for most presenters of one radio show. Australian radio show fits in Whipper breaks record for longest Hot Wheels track. Brendan Favola breaks record for highest altitude catch of an American football. That was last week, that one. The football one? It was It was yeah. quite recent, yeah. Uh, there was one yeah. that here that was really strange. Oh, actually, I saw one last week as well. Oh, I didn't know if it was Guinness Book of Record, but... 
um, a radio show on the Gold Coast uh, mode for 24 hours. Whoa! Did they do a continuous broadcast? I um, possibly uh. at the start. I was like, "That's that's radio gone, like just collapsing on itself." I'm like, <laughs> "Why would you mow for 24 hours? That doesn't make any sense. There's no point." But then when I read it a bit further, it was um, like a famous park or something on the Gold Coast, and I was like, "Oh, actually, that's pretty good." Because I bet the conversation was like, "How long do you think it would take me to mow it?" Uh-huh. I bet I could do it with a domestic mower. And I was like, oh, that's that's funny. It wasn't. I'm going to clean the windows of my house for 24 hours. It had a bit more to it. Yeah, that's not bad. So it was around this time in the show that the hamburger world record comes up. What about hamburger stuffing? Oh, right, uh, right Carl. Uh, let me... T- all right. In the mouth, you mean? Well, it says the record for stuffing the most regulation-sized hamburgers, including buns, in the mouth at one time is how many? How many uh, hamburgers with buns in there? So this is just... You're not swallowing anything, you've just got stuff in your mouth. you'd be so good at this because you're shaped with your head. You've got a shape... His head's just like hamburger. It's three hamburgers, Zach, which I'm not set up for it right now, but I... I, That doesn't seem that hard. Yes, it does. That's a huge amount. Okay, we'll come back to that. I did ask uh, our Patreons, has anyone been a part of a world record... And a surprising number of responses. Adam, how's that not out house? I was part of the most people downloading Firefox. Haha, <laughs> I have a certificate for it. I looked into that. Mountain View, California, July 2nd, 2008. Mozilla today announced it set a new Guinness World Record for the largest number of software downloads in 24 hours. The record setting 8,002,530 downloads coincided with the launch of Firefox 3. I think that's a, mar- a great marketing ploy. Uh, trying to set a world record for how many people can use your product. It's just like tricking people into doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how many people can buy our car today? <laughs> Let's see if we can break it, everyone. Uh, we had another couple who people who were part of Group Ones. Amber Ritchie Forbes was a part of uh, what the Adelaide Christmas pageant had the most most people singing Christmas carols together. That's pretty wholesome. Uh, a guy, Otter, I was part of an attempt to add the longest continuous relay race. The attempt was part of a student festival in Trodheim, Norway, and about 2,000 people participated. I ran my lap at 3 a.m. Not sure if it was successful, though, since I haven't heard much about it since. So he that might have like run at 3 a.m. for nothing. of the, uh, the relay team. 3 a.m. And one, uh, one was a direct... Link, so I'm going to share my screen with you, Zach, again, just to make sure this is working. So this is from Philip the Big Stick Trailer. This fellow is a friend of mine. I think at the time it was done, the time it was done, it was the world record for the most bananas eaten in a minute. So this is a direct, this is two steps of separation away from this show and how apt that it's banana related. So this is on RTE, Ireland's national broadcaster. trying to break the world record for the most bananas eaten in one minute and he's going to give it a go live here tonight. Will you please welcome Ronan Doyle. <laughs> hey, Ronan. So, Ronan, this is, this is not a joke. This is a serious world record, yes? Yeah. Yes. It's always good to start a world record attempt with this is not a joke. The cur- and you have to peel <laughs> the banana and eat it. 
Yeah, you must peel each banana, eat it, and your mouth has to be completely empty before you can move on to the next one. Okay, and uh, what's the current world record? Six. Six in one minute? Yeah. Okay, so you're, you need to do seven tonight, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. And it needs to be full banana eaten, you can't yeah, do it six in one minute. Okay, get on with it. It's in my mouth, but not okay. really Okay, so let's, let's give him some support. Look at that! Technique! He's really inhaling those bananas. Any chimps at the London Zoo watching this would be furious. They only get one per day. What year is this? How has this not shown up in uh, one of Carl's segments? 2011, so a bit after the fact. Too late. That makes me quite nauseous to watch that. Yeah, I also think, like, um, there's too much variability in banana sizes, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a regulation. You're right, because you can get epic ones and then you can get the little lady fingers. Not all bananas are created equal. But I appreciate you sending that through, the big stick. And finally, Martin the Gull Chipperfield said, I'll soon be attempting to break the world record for world's largest joystick disaster. Thank you for that one, Martin. In break four, Steve is out of the studio getting the burgers. It's the only time the show leaves the studio. And I thought, Zach, Steve's interaction with the employee over the phone was great. It was really good. I loved the whole thing. When they brought it up, the world record, I thought, you guys have to do it now. you got to do it right now. Um, and then I was so pleasantly surprised when they, the next link there uh, on the phone, I was like, yes. It's yes. perfect, yeah. And that's what I love about radio. It feels like something's happening now. And that's not something I've seen. It, it feels like something's happening now and anything could change. We could go do this. We could go do that. Someone could call in. I haven't seen that replicated in podcasting. Maybe it will be in the future. But I was like, I was really... And nothing kind of ends up happening. Like, it is pretty... Uh, kind of mild in the end. But this 10 minutes, I really enjoy. The turnaround from concept to execution, you're right. It, it happens in radio quicker than any other form of entertainment. And it's one of its real strong suits. In the next, next break, he's back and we go from him getting the burgers to an attempt, which happens sort of inadvertently because Carl is scrambling to, scrambling to try to get out of it, but it ends up turning into the record-breaking attempt. I'd have to be Jay Goody to get out of here. <laughs> Seriously, look. Oh, oh. Try it, try it, try it. Try it. Oh. Yeah, I know, but you're not, doing, you're not approaching oh. it right. That's oh, it. Oh, come on, go on. That's all I'm doing. Oh, going. God, he's not going to do one. Keep going, keep going, keep going. That's good work. That's good work. Keep going. Keep pushing. Ease it keep pushing. Keep pushing. Get one in at least. Easy. Get one in at least. Get one in. Easy. Get one in. Push it. Push it. That's one. That's one. Let's go another one. Can I just take a moment to appreciate and celebrate Carl's radio technique while he is stuffing his face with that burger and screaming through it, he had the wherewithal to fire the song off and fade it up. That is bloody good anchoring. And the introduction was a very, I mean, I know they didn't plan this, but what a funny, like, music to play over the top of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, it's, like, emotive. 
<laughs> kind of slow song and Ricky's yelling, uh, do it, do it. I think at one point he says, do something with your life. <laughs> do something. <laughs> As if breaking this world record would really change things for Carl once he becomes the hamburger man. In the middle of trying to break the world record, for the most burgers in your mouth, it slips through some real commentary on on what Carl thinks of, of what Ricky thinks of Carl. That seems a little. Hang on, what? That's that. These two things are not related. Coming out of the song, we get this wonderful moment of defeat from Carl. Don't lose and eat yet. Right, right. Pack it in. Then use your fingers to pack it in. Come That's on, it. wedge it in. Like you're grating the bath. I can't do this either. <laughs> Keep going, keep going. <laughs> keep going, don't give up so early. It goes perfectly horrible and they quickly move on to the next record attempt, Eating the Most Grapes, which again, just great radio technique, the way they do it, Zach, where they work out the time with the Blur song. That was good technique. I thought going to the grapes generally, I was like, oh, okay, we're just doing whatever food we can find. <laughs> Whatever's lying around. Is there anything involving tea and biscuits? Uh, so, yeah, here's the grapes, the, the, the conclusion of the grapes attempt. Come on, don't, don't make him laugh, Rick. He's choking, he's choking. Oh, God. Quick! Keep going, Carl. Come on, come on. Come on. What happened? Did he just throw up? No. <laughs> don't make him laugh. Oh, come on. We can come make... On. We can make wine. <laughs> so, two attempts, two failures, but lots of entertainment. Lots of laughs, Zach. It is difficult. Um, you run into it pretty quickly if you ever try to do it on the radio. You realise uh, stuffing your face full of something is often a segment or eating something gross or chilly, something hot. And the two things you need to remember is firstly what Ricky's finding out and what you could have heard us when we were listening to the uh, banana thing earlier. It's actually kind of hard to commentate. Like you have to be really uh, conscious of like now you're the only person talking. And so that's kind of hard to do. And then also the person eating, our boss always used to say, make sure you're making sounds <laughs> or else it's just silent. Nom, 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 like so he like, come come right in on the mic. <laughs> but that's gross. Like a little bit of, I know it's gross, but it, he, the segment's already gross. What what eating challenges have you done? Uh, we played, I don't think you're ready for this jelly, which was I made four different types of, I added gelatin to four different types of like soy sauce, Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> I think sometimes sriracha. And so and then you had it on a lazy Susan and you spin it like a roulette table. And uh, whichever one it lands on, you have to eat. But we, I remember there was something with dog food. I think Dom accidentally ate dog food once. And then something, I don't know how we got onto it, but I had uh, tampered with some bags of these dog treats. I think I hid dog food in something, like dog biscuits in, I don't know. I don't know. There was something about dog biscuits once. Um, what else was there? Oh, Dom said that he could drink a litre of milk in a minute, which he couldn't. Yeah, stuff like that. Wow, you've got you're pretty experienced at food eating challenges on Collective Noun. Mate. Any world records? On in the middle of the night. 
Yeah, a lot of airtime to fill. <laughs> so Carl, uh, no, no world records. Carl only ate sixty-two. He blames his small throat. Uh, I picked up that Ricky doesn't know what Frogger is. Another one to so add to the funny. list of very peculiar little things that he, that Ricky is not familiar with. He still laughed at the joke, though. Yeah, he got it. He got the 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 substance of it. Okay, let's get through to the end of this because today it's uh, I've got to go to Hastings today, so I've got to wrap this up. Songs of phrase this week is Horse and House. One of the most difficult ones, Zach. That's there's some peculiar novelty songs in there. It's funny too, hey, like you can't. It's not quite tangible, but remember a couple of weeks ago you said, "Oh, that one really has the cadence of a joke." This one was kind of not funny, and you can't really explain why. My neighbor had a horse. It's got Kermit the Frog. Yeah, no, the 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 Mars bar 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 one had the cadence of a joke. This one, no, not so much. Ricky reflects on Carl's attitude, how it's uh, shifting. Well, like mean, if you're from the seventies, <laughs> you might like it. You see that he's getting too cocky, isn't he? Arrogant. It's sort of like he's. I, I mean, we try and we've tried and given him something in his life. He's got. You know, what I mean, he's. Is he comes in and tells us this this sob story of just like a trail of failures, and we've said, Carl, come under our wing, right? He's just started picking up on him. A few other people's like, and then he does that. He, he fails at the burgers. He fails at the grapes. He will not trust us with, you know, what we want to do. I don't know what more we can do. It's like I've saved a mouse from a from a cat's jaws and it turned around and bit me. It's a pretty significant moment in their relationship. And Ricky winding Carl up results in what always happens. Carl turns his attention to Steve. Tells him that he's not going to be part of his pub trivia team anymore, which Steve is sincerely disappointed by. Then in break 10, Ricky calls Carl a stupid mank twat. I think for the first time ever... And then goes absolutely insane during the monkey news. Hang on, I've got the grab right here. Bear with me. Yeah. Anyway, what they decided to do to, to sort of do to egg them on. Yeah. Um, bought, them, bought one of them a suit, won a wedding dress. Right. <laughs> Keep going. No, I'm not. Having Shut it. up, Jamise. Hey, the baby's going to interrupt. I want to hear got, the rest of this. They got, they got married. So and, they got uh, married. Yeah, they got married. Right. What? That's the end of it. That's... This is why I don't. Right. That's the end of monkey news. That's the end of monkey news. Don't do that again. You've got no features left. Why don't you like that? Well, this is not a story. It's, not, it's about two chimps chatting, which doesn't happen. The zookeeper's going. I wonder if they're gonna ever have kids. And come on, they got married. That's the end of the story. What are you talking about? Craziest he's gotten so far. Doesn't that get to a laugh though? He's like yelling, like you can see he's red in the face. And I think Carl says it's some type of joke about they're not back from their honeymoon yet. As a <laughs> yeah. And he breaks out of his anger yeah. into a genuine laugh. What I thought, listening to this and the way that he went from angry to laughing to entertained, I was like, this show, or at least Ricky and um, Carl, I feel like I'm putting my ear against the royal chambers where the king is in there with the jester. Just having some time, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Where someone, like, I'm someone who works in the castle, and and I'm like, where's the king? And like, oh, he's in the he's in the court with the jester. Don't go in there. And I've got my head, my ear up against the door. What you hear when you have your ear up against the door is this show. <laughs> Great assessment. It's definitely not the maddest he's gotten. 
It's just occurred to me there was the time when Ricky said he was going to hit Carl. He said he was going to knock him out because he said something so absurd. But, yeah, such a toddler is Ricky that he can turn it around with a simple well-timed punchline. So they move on. They get to the. Uh, they finally get to the movie thing. It's taken three weeks, Zach, but they finally played Carl in Silence of the Lambs, giving away a VHS copy of the movie. I looked up the VHS copy of Silence of the Lambs. Prices for VHSs are all over the place. They're one of my things that I'm like, are they going to become collectible VHSs? Currently, you can pay £25 for a copy or you can pay £3 depending on who you get it from. So it's a big spectrum. It's all over the place. I'm not, I'm not going to invest bad, just yet. Hey. No, yeah. Of it's the actual no, yeah, in experience. The de- debate between VHS and beta even. VHS is less quality, but it won out in that So fight. if we watch one now, I haven't watched a VHS in ages. Would we think like, oh, jeez, this looks probably, awful. Probably, but I'd get a very warm, nostalgic glow yeah. watching it because it has the trailers at the start and it has the, have you ever bought or purchased uh, something that wasn't quite right? It might be pirated, that thing. Have you got what you paid for? Oh. <laughs> Which was a really slow uh pirating ad but they made it so slow because they knew you're going to fast forward it so when you fast forwarded it it played in normal time Do you Genius. Remember that? they should have done a world record for the most people that can watch it at the same time uh at the final break they end the show carl is just absolutely sick of it tell him it's all worth it. he's getting all grumpy aren't you i just get sick of it that's all it's not worth going through the stress for 30 quid every saturday you lying little you get more than 30 quid oh. Not much more. Anyway, Steve, who's the winner? The winner is Mike McNulty. He correctly answered the fact that there were four films featuring Hannibal Lecter. There's a downer now, aren't there? There's a downer. <laughs> High energy show ending on a bit of a downer. That's Series 2, Episode 33. It's Next week... like a toddler. Se- yeah. <laughs> and have a sugar crash. <laughs> Moments after they, they hit play on the final song, Ricky was asleep under the desk. Next week on Series 2, Episode 34, it's another belter, Zach. Carl met the mentalist, the magician, Darren Brown, and we hear about it on next week's show. Carl commits an actual crime live on air, and we hear that he's going away with Suzanne's parents and hasn't even gone on the trip yet, but is already very annoyed. All of that and more coming up next week. Here's a comment from below next week's show on the YouTube. When I think I've solidified an episode as my favourite, I hear another amazing one. This one is amazing. That's from Louie on YouTube. That's what we've got to look forward to next week on the Carly Pilk Boys. Zach Manda, see you then. See you, man.